Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,369. We round out the week where we're celebrating the Pebble Beach Concord Elegance. It takes place Sunday, August 20th at the Lodge in beautiful Pebble Beach, California. I hope to see you there. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Uxbridge, Massachusetts, with a very special guest by the name of Evan Eide. Evan, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready. Thank you. All right. We'll have some fun. Now, technically, where we will be very soon is out on the lawn at Pebble uh, to enjoy all the wonderful cars. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're also going to talk about your business and your life because your entire life is encapsulated in the car world. But before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Evan Eide? Oh, oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Well, uh... I have a degree in fine art. Really? A lot of people don't know that. Some people do. Oh, wow. It's actually very a very useful thing to have in this business. Yeah, fine arts. Well, I studied graphic design and advertising in school, and I, as part yeah. of that course curriculum, I studied a lot of art, a lot of art history and uh, yes. theory, but I was fortunate enough to grow up in a house where my dad was an architect and an artist, so he took us to galleries all the time. And I got to learn about art. We got to do art. It was always a part of our life. So when we think about what you do for a living, and I'm going to explain that a little more thoroughly in a moment, how does that fine art apply to the world of cars? Well, no one can argue that cars are a visual thing. You know, so much of the appeal of cars is the visuals and uh, the aesthetics of automobiles, uh, whether it's even the outside or the machinery uh, aspects. I think the, you know, so much of the appeal of of the automobile has to do with that. And uh, certainly in both restoration and my work with the auction house, um, you know, being able to assess the aesthetics of of cars is a huge part of it. And uh, there's so many aesthetic decisions to make and, and judge. So it's a very useful thing. There you go. That makes sense. Absolutely. They are works of art, uh, for sure. Well, let me provide our listeners with a little bit of background here. Evan Eide is an automotive historian, author, and restorer specializing in automobiles built prior to World War II. He is a vice president, senior specialist with Bonham's Car Collection House. We've had plenty of folks from Bonham's on the show, and is the founder and principal of Historic Vehicle Services Restoration Shop. For nearly 20 years, Evan has been intimately involved with early automobiles and brings an unusual perspective of being both a historian and a professional restorer. As a historian, Evan has lectured frequently, including three different presentations at the Royal Automobile Club of London, lectures at Blackhawk Museum, Simeon Foundation, University of New Hampshire, Heritage Museum, and Gardens in Massachusetts, and Audrain, our friends out there. Additionally, Evan is on the selection committee for the Pebble Beach Concord Elegance. He's an avid collector himself with a largely pre-war collection. That makes sense. We'll be back in just a moment to learn a lot more from Evan, but first a word from our sponsors. Uh, They make it possible for us to drive around here today. So listen closely, give them a little love, and we'll be right back. 
Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up. But my usage was the same, and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and first-hand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Evan, we are back. So I'd love for you to take us back in time and share your life a bit of how you got into the positions you're in now. Because I have a feeling maybe you grew up around cars, something like that. Well, (laughs) unusually for someone my age in this business, I did not have family in the car world or or, or collector relatives. You're an outlier then. Is that what you're telling me? I am an outlier. (laughs) Yes. I come here of my own, uh, of my own interest. And, you know, I grew up basically always obsessed with, you know, vehicles and mechanical things. And, you know, as a kid and, you know, when I got closer, you know, as a teenager was, you know, thoroughly involved with cars and obsessed with cars of all eras, really. I, Caught, you know, people knew this and they'd give me old cars and, you know, cars that I thought were old at the time, you know, things from the 60s and, and stuff like that. And I just read everything about cars and was really into it and, you know, was working and taking them apart and, you know, you know, fixing up cars uh, here and there. And but at the same time, I had no idea that you could make a career out of old cars yeah. <laughs> when I was cool. in high school. Or, and, uh, and, you know, I, I my intention was I was going to, you know, study art and I wanted to work at a museum. And, uh, you know, that's what I was thinking I was going to do. Continued to always be involved with mechanics and, you know, working on stuff and being interested in this. Uh, It wasn't until after I graduated college, you know, uh, having gotten a degree in fine arts with a focus on on museum work. I had worked in a museum at school for three years. And within a a year, I landed a job at the um, what was then called the Museum of Transportation in Boston, which is now the Lars Anderson Auto Museum. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And there... It was like that is like I mean one of the world's greatest collections of, of pre World War One cars. They're all original. They're all in the original garage. These these cars were all brought new by Lars Anderson. And I finally had my chance to get hands my hands on early cars. I'd always wanted to, and I knew no one who had cars like these. All growing up, 
you know, it was like, I finally got access to these kind of cars and I like never looked back, you know, it was like 22 years ago. And, and, uh, you know, once I finally got involved with the early cars, I just realized that's what I wanted to be involved with. And I'm sort of, I like to say I followed a very unfashionable niche we could say <laughs> for all these years, but it's served me, it's it served me well, you know, it's, uh, just sort of stuck with what I liked and what I wanted to do. And, and, uh, um, it's been, it's been a really fun ride. Well, no kidding. And being a part of the team at Bonhams puts you in an elite group of people as well. Also had several of your colleagues as guests on the show, uh, a couple that have fairly new with you guys, Caroline Cassini. And Jacob Greason, mm-hmm. of course, uh, David Swig from the past. Uh, let's see who else yeah. here. Uh, Lance Butler, our, our Rupert Banner. Sure. Everybody. Uh, Lenny, uh, there's been all these people that you work with, and Bonhams is such an, yeah. uh, an elite company. How did you get involved with Bonhams, and what exactly do you do there? Well, I I first connected with Bonhams in 2002, um, and I, I they actually started holding an auction at Lars Anderson Museum. And I got uh, connected with them. And, you know, uh, while I was working at Lars Anderson, I would go out and help them at other sales and went out to the Pebble Beach auction in 2002 and just stayed connected with them. You know, we did our sale every year at the museum, but I helping them uh, uh, out at the same time. And then when I, you know, transitioned out of Lars, I got more involved with them and I basically stayed involved with Bonham, you know, since 2002. And from 2008 on, I, I took a more serious role with them and, and, uh, um, have been uh, very involved with them, you know, all along. I work very closely with Rupert and, you know, um, specifically, you know, I tend to focus primarily on the early cars, you know, um, but, uh, but do branch out, but, uh, uh, certainly known for my, for my niche there. And, uh, it's a great fit because Bonham's what's great about Bonham's is, you know, maybe partially because of Rupert and myself and a few others, but we, we, you know, handle a lot of these kind of cars, you know, this is really what we like. So, you know, it, it's, uh, they're not just an afterthought at bottoms. We always have a really good core group of these cars and, you know, we just, we just love this stuff. Well, absolutely. And you'll, you'll have a presence involved with the quail lodge. Is that right? The quail event, is that where you're, you're going to have your, uh, your auctions this year? Yeah, we have our auction at the, at quail and it's the oldest, uh, it's actually the oldest auction on the peninsula. It's been going for 27 years now, I think, at the, over at the Quail. We go way back there. It's a great auction, and we have a, a pretty epic lineup uh, this year. It's going to be quite exciting. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sitting here looking through your cars. I'm going to need to bring a very big checkbook this time because <laughs> you got some things. I mean, the 412P Ferrari, the 67. Yeah. Okay, I'll start with that one. Thank you very much. And then we'll go, we'll go a little <laughs> old school with the uh, 212 Export Barquetta. Yeah, that'd be nice, but let's go a little further into the future mm-hmm. you know, with the Enzo. Okay, what am I up to now? Fifty million uh, bucks or something? Like yeah, that. <laughs> you're not. You haven't even got the good stuff yet. You got to get to the uh, the the original Stutz Bearcat and the uh, the sixteen and a half liter Lorraine Dietrich race car from oh, 1909. Man, <laughs> uh, yeah, so. I'll tell you, listeners, you got to go to the. I'll put a link on Evan's show notes page. You can go and check this out. Uh, you know, the great thing about auctions these days, even if you can't be there, you can still sign up and uh, participate, if you will, or watch online. But this is going to be epic. So, oh my gosh. Well, but yeah. we're here to talk a little bit about Pebble Beach because. That's what brought you and I together. Candace and Sandra, uh, they brought me so many great guests. And of course, they have brought a new one here with you. Uh, you're part of the selection committee. And so I'd love for you to 
talk with our listeners, because a lot of people go, how on earth do you get selected to bring a car to the most prestigious event on the planet? Maybe in a condensed firm. How does this work? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's an interesting process. It's a process that is very important to the show. And we meet once a year in the winter, and we um, basically plan out, uh, both plan out what's going to be the show for the following year, but we also review all the applicants for this year's show and also consider the cars that weren't applied that we want at the show. But a big part of the process is, you know, you have to, you know, review these cars. You have, in some cases, you have to verify the car that it is in fact what it is. You want to make sure the integrity of the show and the quality of the cars, you know, isn't compromised by something that isn't of that caliber, you know, gets in when it shouldn't. And and, and not that it's intentionally dry, but some people just don't necessarily always know the true history of their car. And also you're just, it's a difficult thing because some of these classes, you have lots and lots of great cars and you have to turn away great cars just because you don't have enough spot. And uh, we always try to encourage those cars to, you know, reapply the next year and saying there's, this is no reflection on your car. It's just, there's only so many slots and, and certain, certain slots are very competitive um, as a result. And, um, you know, it's, you're trying to look for, you know, a number of factors in there, you know, what you want a sort of consistent quality and you're trying to show, you know, interesting things. And, you know, it doesn't always, it's not always an issue of, you know, how valuable the car is or this or that. It's more how interesting the car is, you know, what's its history and, and what's its originality, you know, what's the significance there. So we, we tend to look at it in a, in a, in a lot of different ways and, uh, you know, just try to keep it interesting and, and show, especially cars that have really good stories, and, you know, and so a lot of different aspects to it, but it's, it's tricky. And, you know, you have to do quite a bit of, uh, homework and and uh you know there's a lot of thought that goes into it um and it's fun too because there's every year there's special classes and those are neat you can organize uh you know special and it's often cars you invite in to be part of these groupings so those are a lot of fun it's amazing and let me walk through these special classes of this year and you know i just this brainstorm just came to mind you guys always have more cars that can get in so here's something to pass along to sandra this will make her head spin and probably blow off the top of her shoulders you know that golf course is more than just the 18th hole why not just fill all 18 courses with cars you guys could probably do it right Probably, I would think that would be a problem. <laughs> yeah, I think I think every yeah. logistics might be a bit of a problem. Uh, you think? No, oh, come on, you guys can pull it off. You guys pull off uh, miracles there in Pebble Beach. But yeah, uh, right now I've just got Candace and Sandra and the whole team going. Mark, be quiet. Don't even suggest that. I, that, <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah. that would make hard enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, let me walk through the special classes this year. We have Fagoni Centennial, Mercedes Benz yeah. S. SS and SSK yep. cars. We have the, now this is a group that you're going to love, Vanderbilt Cup era race cars. We'll come to back, back to that in a yep. moment. Pegaso, very rare, unique cars. We're celebrating some anniversaries. Porsche, their 75th. McLaren, their 60th. Lamborghini, their 60th. Now I feel old. How could it be those cars have been around that long? Uh, post-war luxury cars. Eh, for a guy like you, pre-war, post-war, Eon. Uh, American dream cars of the 1950s. So, I mean, th- that rounds out the typical, um, Pebble's never typical, but the presence of Pebble, and that is from old to more new. And when we talk about these groups, I'm assuming maybe the Vanderbilt Cup is 
something you were involved in that era? I did have involvement with that. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, so that's, that's kind of one of my favorite. Yeah, I'll bet. No kidding. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, I got to spend, I was at the Ironstone Concours, and I got to spend a day on tour riding in, a, in I think it was the second year of the Indy 500, one of those uh, old-timer racers that go out there that, you know, those groups, those guys that race out at Laguna sure. Seca. And I got to ride in one of those cars, and it makes you go, these guys, how do they do this? Because I thought I was going to die all day long, and that was just cruising around the streets because you see, you feel so yeah. vulnerable. but. Let's talk a little bit about this group of cars, and maybe you could touch on one or two that kind of stand out for you. Sure. Well, and there is one of my all-time favorite cars. Uh, there is, is in, the, in what I think is probably one of the greatest American cars that exists today is, uh, is the Locomobile Old 16, the winner of the Vanderbilt Cup uh, um, in 1907. And that is the 120-horsepower uh, chain drive uh, Locomobile race car. and it was um it's it survives today in remarkably original conditions but that is the first american car to win a major international competition and if you look at the history of the american car prior to 1907 the it's very much in favor of the europeans the 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 french have a huge lead in in the car development they're really producing you know at the forefront and it isn't until 1907 that time when things shift the the locomobile wins the Vanderbilt Cup. The Thomas Flyer wins the round the world race, and now suddenly the pendulum of the American automobile of the international automobile industry shifts towards America. And it's not the reason completely, but it's it it marks that shift. And you know this this milestone victory, and also this turning of the tide from Europe to America as the, the leader in automobile production. Uh, it's just an incredibly significant car. It's an amazing piece of machinery just to look at it and behold and, and how it survives. But it's uh, it's a great thing. It's a very, and this this class specifically focuses on the big displacement cars that in this era of racing, um, the they had light cars and other types of production car racing, but the, the Grand Prix type cars at this time were these massive displacement cars and they only exist in this little window of time when you had things between you know 10 and 20 liter cars um uh, racing at the highest level and they're extremely there's only a handful of these things today that survive uh real ones but they're just a really like it's just a very cool period of time for the automobile and it's, it's just there's never another period like it so i i just think it's a very interesting that car will be on the lawn it will. Henry Ford Museum, where it rightfully belongs, um, is bringing the car to display it. It's wow. a, uh, a true, true American uh, motoring treasure, that one. Yeah, 1908, uh, of course, driven by George Robertson and Glenn Etheridge. This is the kind of level of prestige at Pebble that you just won't yeah. see all in one place. And it, that is, oh man, that's, yeah, we know where you're going to be hanging out uh, the whole day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if it, you know <laughs> If you noticed we emailed earlier. You saw what my email was, old 16. I did um, see that. Yeah, I was going, <laughs> oh, okay, I see a little trend going on with this guy here. So, yeah, well, yeah, this is uh, – <laughs> what wonders. <laughs> when we think about uh, maybe maybe we pick one other car here today. We won't, won't want to give up all the secrets, but maybe another car that you're really excited about seeing on the lawn? Oh, that's always hard. It's like the uh, picking uh, – well, the other group I'm excited about seeing – uh, the one that 
I, I just think are the most wonderful cars is the S uh, S series Mercedes. Oh my gosh! Yes. Year, which is going to be epic. And that those series of cars, whether it's the S, the SSK, the SS, um, they're all virtually the same basic car, various wheelbases and configurations. But that is one of the greatest automobiles ever produced. You know, it is an absolute you know, incredible machine. And it's been regarded as such since the day it was first made. Um, you know, the Porsche design car, it it is, uh, you know, it's a big, you know, they vary between 7.8 or 6.8 and 7.4 liters. They're supercharged. They're overhead cam. Um, and they're all, they're short and they have big brakes and low chassis. And they're just a absolutely phenomenal thing to drive. Yeah, like talk about a work of a work of art visually. I mean, a, a work oh, of art visually. They just you look at them and you just you just love them. I mean, you just love them. Uh, it's, I I had the pleasure of uh, in the auction a few years ago. We had one out at Pebble Beach, and I was able to take a number of people who have never experienced them, even though they were quite quite experienced uh, car people um, for a ride in that car, and everybody came back just with their jaw dropping. Like the performance is staggering of that car you know the acceleration and the handling and it is even though it's got this classic look that's sort of a you know thrown into the it's sort of an elegance thing it's really it was a purebred sports car and that's what the s stands for and it is that i mean it is there is nothing like it for that time period of, of automobile ah, and they're marvelous. just incredibly high quality and so that's gonna be that's a once in a lifetime gathering of what they have there you know incredible group of cars coming yeah, in for that it's the way so, it is every year i mean you just won't see this these kinds of cars together in one place it's it's so 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 rare yeah. so yeah it's absolutely stunning well I'm, i like to play a little, little game of car psychologist and you're a guy that is perfect for this game. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, though. This is how you perceive your personality into some kind of vehicle from the past. What would you be and why? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm probably, I'm guessing I would have to be something sort of utilitarian just because I kind of fix cars and do all that stuff. Okay. Well, well, there's a good start. A bit of a bit of a multitasker, you know, being on the, uh, both the auction side and the, uh, and the restoration side. side. Yeah. So something, something, uh, dual, I guess something dual purpose. Uh, uh, what would it be? Um, that, uh, that's a good question. I don't want to say a modern crossover thing, dual purpose, because I don't want to be anything too modern. Well, I was going to say, you've uh, got to be old because you're an old school guy. So, I mean, we got to go almost go back to pre-war in a way. And, yeah. and if you think about this, one way I kind of think about it when I think about you, Evan, is you saw a lot of Rolls Royces go into service vehicle during World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, you also saw sure. a lot of them turned into hunting vehicles for the Maharajas of India. Uh, they were turned into yeah. transport things. I, I, maybe I'm, am I steering you down a good well, path? Uh, <laughs> here we go. Then we, we had this last year at the auction of quail. Uh, we had a simplex, which is one of my favorite pre-war American cars. Um, and it was a, and a lot of simplexes survived today because they were converted into wreckers. Mm. And this one still was the wrecker. It was missing its hook, but everything else about it was still the record. So the uh, the I think a, a simplex record is probably not a bad thing. Okay, you got the ten liter ten liter four cylinder chain drive, 
and the utility there. So, oh think, well, uh, see, we did it. We did it. Yeah, dual purpose. <laughs> yeah, Evan to the rescue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now we love books here on cars. Yeah, is there a great book, and maybe it's a book that relates to old cars? One you could share? Absolutely, my favorite ever, which I've recommended to so many people, and they everyone has the same reaction I did, but. Uh, 10 Years of Motors and Motor Racing by Charles Jarrett. It was written in 1905. So everyone should read this book, even if you don't think you're interested in this era of car or anything. <laughs> read the book. It's a firsthand account of racing between 1895 and 1905 and at the Grand Prix level. And um, it is absolutely fascinating. And it, A, it shows just how much racing has changed as far as the you know, drivers in Formula One today don't have to look for a room to stay in at the end of the day, and they're not breaking apart furniture in their room to repair their car. Um, <laughs> the stories in this book are epic, and uh, you know, everyone I've mentioned it to, like I remember talking to Miles Collier about it, and he's like, "That's my favorite book ever." You know, like everybody has the same reaction who's read it. You know, that's saying something if Miles endorses it. Wow. Oh, I, I mean, it's a uh, it's a great read and the stories but the, i think the funny thing the sort of epilogue at the end in you know 1905 or 196 is that he's sort of lamenting the fact that the golden era of racing is over and it's become too commercial and money is ruining racing and uh, you know all the same stuff we've heard over the course of yeah. motoring history and he's saying it in 1905 <laughs> 1905 you know, <laughs> racing will never be the same the, the true spirit of it is gone oh <laughs> so, yeah well but it's, it's it's an incredible book history repeats itself over and over and over again so there you go and you can and because it's so old you can download it for free because it's in the public domain there you go. Even better. Yeah, because I, I just took a peek here to to get a copy of that thing in original form. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So, but The, the yeah. first edition is expensive, yeah. but yeah, Google, it's free. There you go. Awesome. Thank you, Google. All right. We're going to go on the ultimate drive today. I'm going to enable you to have a little bit of fun here. I'm going to provide you with any car in the world. Don't worry about the cost. Don't worry about who owns it because I'm going to get it for you and park it in your driveway. You can take it anywhere. And here's the key. You can take anyone with you, even somebody from the past who's no longer with us. So if you want to talk to somebody that was around when these cars were designed and built, I can make that happen. So what does the ultimate drive look like for a guy who's been around a lot of ultimate cars? Well, we might just have to go back to old 16 who we were talking about. Okay, <laughs> we're going racing. <laughs> hard to, yeah, it's a good road car too. So we could, uh, and, I, I, and I would have, probably have to say, uh, keeping in the spirit, I would think uh, uh, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker would be my oh my gosh selection yeah. um, as one of one of my true heroes. Both uh, uh, you know with a direct connection to the uh, uh, automobile racing of the era, the second you know number two ranked driver in, in the world before World War One, but also the you know hero in every aspect after that. So truly, I, I don't know if I'd be able to talk to him because I'd just be too much in awe. But, uh, <laughs> well, he'd be, he'd be sitting uh, and going, I mean, what is all this stuff? What what do you guys have? What have you guys done to the car? Oh, my yeah, gosh. You, yeah. you've, you've kind of made it boring in a way. It's become, a, a you know, a, an appliance that just goes down the road. But uh, no doubt he'd be blown away at, at what things are happening. And you'd have to maybe take him for a ride in something more bonner, but something kind of really crazy. You know, uh, who, yeah. knows, who knows what yeah. that would be. But wow. Well, that's pretty cool. I think you're the first first one that's picked uh, Eddie as a, a companion. So I like that. Very unique answer to that question. I love it. Very cool. Well, 
this has been absolutely wonderful, and I'm going to enjoy seeing you and, and everyone on the lawn at Pebble Beach this year. I mean, what a lineup. Every year, they just keep pulling rabbits out of their hat, thanks to people like you on the selection committee and so many wonderful people that have been on the show. This week has been tremendous for me to bring so many people from Pebble as guests here, a really unique collection of people that Candace put together for me this year. So Candace, you did it again. Thank you very much. Before I let you go today, Evan, and get back to uh, prepping for your trip out West, could you share maybe some uh, words of inspiration, a success quote or a mantra of some kind for our listeners? Oh, say, um, I think uh, <laughs> stick with uh, stick with what you know and do it well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that helps a lot, right? <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's something you've done. That's tremendous. And I can't thank you enough for you, the team at Bonhams, the team at Pebble Beach, and your company for keeping these vehicles alive and in front of everybody and sharing them with everybody. Again, uh, what's coming up here Sunday, August 20th at the Pebble Beach Lodge. If you want to learn more and get your tickets, you can do that. Go to pebblebeachconcord.net. Tickets available. Uh, Evan and I and everyone who's been on the show this week hope that we see you out there on the lawn. It's going to be tremendous this year. Another great year. Ah, This has been so much fun. Thank you, Evan. Uh, Until you and I talk again, I'll see you on the lawn at Pebble Beach Concord de Elegance. Thank you, and I'll look forward to seeing you there. We will have some fun. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah! every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. Have you looked under your hood recently? The average car today has more than 70 computers and 100 million lines of code. Today and tomorrow, being a professional technician requires an understanding of technology, computers, and electrical systems that are highly advanced and very complex. Cars yeah! is honored to support TechForce Foundation as our charity of choice. Their efforts to help young people pursue a technical education and a fulfilling career as automotive techs is the key to an inspired life. Through scholarships, grants, and good old-fashioned hands-on experiences with vehicles, TechForce and Cars yeah! are working together to connect young people with viable careers. Join us and learn more by visiting techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!